This morning, I want to talk to you about a, a topic that we all need help with. I need help with this morning. And as I always I try to re- remind you often is that usually when I uh, preach a message, it, it first has to go through me. Otherwise, it's not really helpful to you if I can't live it my own self. And so uh, that's, that's the same thing that's happened here this morning that I hope that it will be helpful to you. And this morning, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. Let me go back to some basics about the faith. It's, it's good for us to revisit the basics often because we need to be reminded of the things that are important in the Christian life, but help us to also keep reminded and guided on the path we're supposed to be on. And one of the basics that uh, sometimes we forget about is the subject of sin and what sin is and what sin does and how sin is just really a destruction to our souls and why Jesus came all in the first place to rescue us from the grip of sin. And I just want to revisit for a moment what exactly sin is. As we see in the Bible, that sin is an offense to God. It's a, it's a, it's a way of rebellion towards the Lord. And we know that to be true because when Jesus was on the cross... And all of the sin of the world was bearing down on him. The Bible says that even God could not look at him because of all of the, the, the weight of sin. It was an offense to him. A perfect and holy God. Sin is an offense to him. And sin comes in many different shapes, sizes, and forms. And while oftentimes in our culture we have this pre-described list of what sin is, we kind of base it off of the Ten Commandments, lying, cheating, stealing, etc., all that. Sin can actually be a little bit deeper than that, a little bit more complex than that. And I think you're going to understand, you'll see that today, is that sin is not just one of those actions. It is when our hearts turn against the Lord and we take our own selves in our hands. And you'll see that this morning in what we're going to talk about. That sin is not just in the action. It really is what is happening in the heart. Because when you and I stand before the Lord on judgment day, it's not going to be about what did you do. He's going to look at our heart. It's the motive. It's the intent of the heart that God is looking at. And so that is what it really comes down to. And that's really what it comes down to about sin. And so this morning, I want to just give you a little bit of basis about uh, what sin is. And then this morning, I want to talk to you about conquering temptation, conquering temptation. You know, temptation is a boy, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? It's a tricky thing. That's why it's called temptation, because there is an allure to temptation. There is an allure to some type of sin. But remember, it is only a temptation. It is not yet sin. But when you approach upon it, I want to remind you as we talk about it today and in the story that we're going to talk about, that temptation is a slippery slope. As soon as you engage temptation, just even the slightest, it is very hard to recover back from that. And you'll see that to be true in the story we're going to read today. But before we do that, I want to read you a verse here in 1 John chapter 2. The Bible says this. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. We all agree we can't love the world. That's what the Bible says. This is the word of God. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Boy, that hurts, right? Ouch. For everything in the world, 
And then he describes three things here that I want us to be mindful of in what we're going to read this morning. He says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we know based upon this that when you do the opposite of what John is laying out here, you're doing the will of God and you live forever with him for all of eternity. But he describes three things here that he, he categorizes everything in the world. He says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So there's basically, let me break it down a little bit. It's what you desire, it's what you envy, and it's what you think about yourself. And all of those can affect really the things of the world and how we fall into the slippery slope of temptation. But those are the three things that we all have to be aware of. You'll notice here that he didn't lay out everything, every sin that there was. And while there are passages Paul lays out, talks about different works of the flesh, etc., etc., this is here a broad overview, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so this morning, we're going to go back to the origins of temptation. Genesis chapter 3, where it all began. Where sin was brought unto the world, brought unto all of us. And thus, here we are today. Now, the Bible says in Genesis 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now, I want you to take note of this word here today because a lot of times when we think about temptation, when we think about the things that allure us and draw us away from the Lord, we like to think of them in terms of things that are very obvious. Oh, yeah, I can see it. You know, it's like it's it's there. I'm resisting it, and etc. But really, if you'll notice here, the Bible uses a word to describe the serpent, that he is crafty. The serpent has a way in this conversation that's about to happen to talk to Eve and to talk to Adam and to try to get them to think differently other than the Lord had intended them. He tried to reason with them and talk to them in such a way that was crafty. It was the speech that was built up in a way to make them go a direction they were not intended to go on. And so he came to him and he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, I want you to notice here is that Eve has quoted exactly what the Lord has said. She's got it. I know the Lord. This is what he said. And then the serpent comes back. Oh, you're not going to die. Surely you'll not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Boy, this is really twisting things right here. Because you'll notice here now how the enemy and the devil or the serpent, all the many names he has, has come and he has pitted Adam and Eve against God. 
He's put them in a boxing ring. Now, who's really going to win here? God says this over here, but this is what I'm telling you. There's this, there's been set up for a fight. And so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, I want to debunk a, a myth right here. There's, this is a, a verse right here that's had trouble being translated over the years that has often led to very problematics that has made the story come off to seem as if Eve was the culprit for it all. But later translations have made it clear, and this is actually in the Hebrew that says, Adam was with her. So just to make it all a level playing field here today, we are all responsible. We all have human nature. We are all sinners, fallen by the short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. And we have to be aware of that this morning. And so she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So we see here how it all started. Just a little word, just a little conversation. And it ended up on a slippery slope that was very dangerous. And that's what temptation is, is that temptation is a slippery slope that leads to sin. It's like the person who is trying, they're working on a roof and it gets slick and they're trying to recover and they, they're trying to come back and there's just nothing to grab onto. There's nothing to save them, so they end up sliding off of the roof. It's, it's, it's just a quick slide. And this is the way temptation is work. And this is the way, once again, remember who we're talking about, the serpent. He's crafty. He's crafted it in such a way to do just that. If it was easy to approach into, or if it took a few steps to, pro- uh, to get into, then it would be easier for all of us. But that's not the way the enemy works. We know here today, and we know more even than Adam and Eve knew at this time, that the enemy has come and his goal is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. We know that. And so we have to be aware of that when it comes to temptation. And so in the fight against temptation, I want you to remember that it's really never even about temptation. It's about how the enemy wants to sift you like wheat. When Jesus was about to be ascended into heaven, he prayed for his disciples. And I want you to note what he prays. Such one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible in John 17. Jesus gets before the Father and he begins to pour out his heart for, to God, praying for his disciple, praying for, his, uh, praying for others who would come to know him later on. And one of his prayers was this. He said, Father, I pray, not my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. May we all take note of that today. He's not praying that we get taken out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So we know here today, Jesus has identified for us what our struggle is, as as Paul and as, as others as well in the New Testament, that we're wrestling, we're fighting. It's against the evil one. Right. And so we have to be aware of that. And if Jesus is making that a prayer for you and I today and for his disciples, then it is a prayer that you and I also ought to keep praying as he taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil. 
It's a fight. And we have to keep praying in this way. And so this morning, I want you to notice here that their sin, that what happened with Eve and Adam here was not what we would typically label as sin. She didn't cheat. She didn't steal. She didn't murder. There wasn't any of those things. What was her sin here? It was disobedience to God. And that is the chief foundation of what sin is, is disobedience to God. And disobedience to God leads to the most dangerous of them all, in my opinion, sins, and that's pride. Because when you become disobedient to God, you become an individual who says, I myself can make my own decisions. I don't need the word of God. I don't need the help of God. I can do it on my own. And a person who thinks they are God will soon discover that they are in a dangerous place. And this was what happened to Adam and Eve. And so this morning, I want to give you three things here. I call them the three D's, how to recognize temptation, how to recognize when something is coming against you and how to put a stop to it and and recognize that this is dangerous for me. And we're going to see it right here from Genesis chapter three. Number one is that they start, she's, he and she started to doubt God. First thing in recognizing temptation is they were doubting God. The enemy came to Eve and said, you must not, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the amazing thing about this whole dialogue is she actually quoted back exactly what the Lord said. She knew it all along. Yes, God did really say this. Absolutely, God said this. This is what God said. But this beginnings of doubt were what led her to the next step. It's, is, it's the beginning of Eve knew what God said, but she doubted what God said. She had it in her mind. Yes, I heard the Lord say that. He said, don't touch that tree. It's dangerous. It's going to lead to death. No, don't do that. I know that. It's in me. I know that. But she doubted it. Well, I don't know. Did God really say that? Did God really speak to me that way? Did God really give me that? And one of the ways that you and I were learning from Adam and Eve, our ancestors, is that we can learn the first thing in temptation is doubting God. Is what we're about to partake in. Am I, is this causing me to doubt what God has said about me, about others, or about him? Am I beginning to question things? Am I beginning to say, well, you know, God, I don't know if he really said that in the Bible. That's, it's there, but, you know, did Paul and John, did they really mean that? Is it contextual? It meant something for them that doesn't apply to us today. Oh, well, you know, the Greek and Hebrew, it's really confusing. I don't know. And that's what we do, right? We reason it off. We try to begin to doubt. We come up with excuses and say, well, I don't really know. Did God really say that here today? But let's all help each other this morning as we agree today that this is the word of God. And it is inerrant. It is without error. It's without fault. It is what God has placed in us today by divine providence. And when something begins to cause us to doubt the word of God, we need to question the source. No, God's word is true. And we can't doubt the word of God. Did God really say? Yes, God really said that. And that can be our response to the enemy when temptation begins to come. You better believe it, Satan. That's what God said, and I'm going to stick to it. 
It begins to get dwell embedded in us. I know, no, absolutely, this is what God said. The second thing that happened was she first she started doubting God, and then the second thing was he said, "You will not surely die." Boy, he just spun that right on her. He just she had just told her exactly or told him exactly what the, the what the Lord had said, but he said, "Oh, you're not gonna die." He said, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's doubting God and it's secondly, desiring to be God. Doubting God and desiring to be God. When you take a look at this, this passage here and you read this in depth in the original language, it helps bring some distinctions here. Is because we see a word here that is spelled E-I-K-O-N-S. And that was what you and I were intended to be, icons. We were intended to be image bearers of God. That's how God created us to be, is that when he created us, we know the Bible says he created us in his image and his likeness. And that is the wonderful part about being created by God, is that all of us, we're a reflection of God. However, the difference is, is that when you and I begin to assume the authority of God and say things about the truths of God that are not true about the truths of God, we begin to become the controllers and the authority figures over our lives, and we begin to direct the steps of our life, and God is not directing the steps of our life. We begin to partake of things that are leading us in paths that God never intended us to do. And that is one who has assumed, I am God. I can do whatever I want with my life. I can do this. I can do that. It doesn't matter what God has said. That's a person who is trying to be like God. Why is that? Because the difference between being an image bearer and being like God is that one, the image bearer has learned to submit. The other one does not submit. The other person tries to do whatever they want, but an image bearer submits and says, yes, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we gladly bear the image. And one of the big issues when it comes down to sin is submission. Are we willing to submit to Jesus as the Lord of our life or are we going to be the Lord of our life? And that was what Adam and Eve and really it's what lies in all of us. The problem for all of us is, is that are we going to open up our mouth like Paul says and believe in our heart God raised him to dead and confess that Jesus is Lord? Because a confession that Jesus is Lord is a submission that I am not in control of my life. Jesus is in control of my life. So therefore, I give myself to him. And so if God says, don't do this or do that or live by grace and flee from sin, then I'm going to listen to what God says because he knows what's best for my life. So we recognize it was doubting God. It was desiring to be God. The question you can ask yourself is, am I exerting control over my life or does Jesus have control over this decision I'm about to make? And the third thing that you'll see what happened here with Adam and Eve was what was the sad about it all was they were doubting God, they were desiring to be God, and then they were deceived about the truth of God. The Bible says in verse 6 in Genesis 3 that when the woman saw, here's this, it's so sad, it's so sad, sin is so sad, it really is, it devastates me, it's so sad what happens. And even as I read this story, just a new sadness, 
Here she was. She had just quoted back what God had said. And now she has come to the place of deception where now she's looking at the very thing that she said. Nope, God said you will surely die. You must not eat of that. But then the Bible says that when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good, she knew it wasn't good. She knew it wasn't good. All along, she knew it was bad. All along, but now she's come to the place of deception, both of them. And so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. You know what? That's what sin does to us. That's what temptation does, is it leads us on the slippery slope where we have, we've start with doubting. Well, I don't know. Did God really say And then we desire to be like God. Well, I think I can make this decision on my own. I can do this. I'm a a big enough person. I can do this. And then we've got to a place where that when we go back and we look at the word of God, what I believe and what I think does not match up anymore. It's It's inconsistent. And the one of the questions you can ask yourself, and I can ask myself, when temptation is near, is am I changing the truth of God to accommodate my sin? Am I changing what God has already said to be true? And I know it to be true. He said it. I can take it to the bank. He's absolutely said it. Am I changing it? Am I twisting it to fit my situation? Listen, it's not a, it's not a, it's like a puzzle piece. You, if you got a puzzle piece right here and you've got the last piece that needs to be filled, you can't just push it and force it in there. It's not going to work. It's going to look bad. It's not the way God intended it. And the word of God is not going to change to accommodate our sin. Let's just go ahead and all agree today. God's word is not going to change to accommodate my sin. Sin is sin. We all know that to be true. And we're all sinners in need of the grace of God. We know that to be true. And the the problem was with this was the enemy had led her to be deceived. And this is what Jesus goes on. This is a little side note for all of us here today. Is This is what Jesus goes on to teach about. And even the apostles go on to teach about. Was to be careful about those who come along, false prophets. And they begin to tell you something about the word of God. That is contrary to what I have already told you. And if it doesn't line up, be cautious. Be aware. Don't follow that thing because it's dangerous. When it's twisting the truth of God, because soon that when we, when the, the truth of God begins to be deceived, it's not shortly after that you and I sometimes can be quickly quick to believe it. So now the big question we all want to know here today is how do you conquer? How do you conquer temptation? And can I just encourage you here this morning? And I want you to remember this this morning and have it embedded in my heart, your heart, all of us here today is that the Bible teaches us all of us here today. We're going to agree this morning. The Bible teaches us we can conquer sin through the grace of God. We can conquer temptation through the grace of God. Every person in here, you don't have to be a pastor to conquer temptation. You don't have to be some person with a title. Every believer in Jesus Christ can conquer temptation. Does that mean we always will? Not necessarily. But we can through the grace of God. And how do we know that? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke as well, when Jesus was led into the wilderness, guess what happened to Jesus? He was 100% God, 100% human, and he also faced the test of temptation. He faced the test of temptation. And what Jesus did to refute the enemy. It's a long chapter. You can read it sometime. Matthew chapter 4. I encourage us all to read it. Is that he 
First off, he knew God and he knew the word of God. And those became his weapons against the enemy. As Ephesians reminds us, for, or 1 Corinthians reminds us, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human, but they have divine authority to destroy strongholds. And so this is what you and I must do. If we want to conquer temptation, it requires us to know God and know the word of God. When the enemy came to him and began to teach him things and tell him things, well, I can give you all of this, turn this to this, do this and this, all of these things. The thing that Jesus did was he refuted the devil with the word of God. So why? Why is the word of God the key to conquering temptation? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. I want to read this to you. Sorry, I forgot to mark it here. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, watch what the Bible says, even to, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents and the attitudes of the heart. And nothing in, nothing in all creation is hidden from, from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So why is the word of God the key to conquering temptation? Number one, the word of God is eternal truth. It can never be changed. This is the thing that makes Christianity different from a lot of other religions. Many of them. There's some that have, they say, well, you can pick up the Quran and you can read it. Here's what, here's what Muhammad or here's what Allah said at one time. But if it's something else and somebody else comes along sometime and says something different, that's okay. That changes it. No, not our God. What God has said and what God has spoken, it is eternal. It will go on for all of eternity. God's word is living. I want to remind you that today. It's living. If it was dead, it would not go on for all of eternity. It would stop. It would come to an end at some point in time. But that's not what the Bible teaches us about the word of God. It is alive. When God speaks, you and I, we came alive. When God speaks, creation came alive. When God speaks, the breath of life entered us. When God speaks, the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles. God's word is alive. So when temptation is right around the corner and you can refute it with the word of God, you are not just saying some words. You're not just quoting back something mantra you learned. No, that's not what the word of God. It is a weapon that is alive. It conquers things in the spiritual world that we cannot see with our eyes and we must grab onto the fact that I need to know the word of God this is why David said I have hidden it in my heart I've buried it deep within you can take it away from me but it's still there I'm going to conquer it because it's deep within me and when the word of God goes forward Isaiah teaches us this that it does not return void in other words that means it's not like a credit card that gets swiped and it's declined when it swipes it works and you better use it to conquer temptation it's an eternal truth and it does not change. And listen, the eternal truth is this, is that you and I have already been privileged to go all the way to the very end and to know that the evil one and the enemy, one day he's going to be bound up and tossed into the lake of fire. And so you can take that to the bank that the word of God is eternal truth. 
The second thing the Bible tells us there is that the Word of God is living and active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. The Word is living and powerful. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Not only is it eternal, it's living, it's active. It's active. What does that mean? It's active. That means that when the Word of God is going forward, it does things. It doesn't go and sit dormant. It doesn't go and just lay there. No, when the Word of God goes forward, even moments like this, when the Word of God goes forward, it's active. It's doing something. We can either resist it or we can receive it. But when the Word of God is active, you and I, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that's what we need when we're facing temptation, right? Is that you and I immediately become aware. Oh, no, Lord, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my thoughts? It's beginning to judge. It's beginning to bring to account our hearts and the motives of our hearts. So this is why we must bring it forward to say, no, Lord, I'm bringing myself to accountability. Let the word of God begin to come and judge me so that I don't fall into sin, that I keep away from it. And so there, the Word of God, it's living and active. And finally, I want to leave you with this as the musicians come. Is that Jesus, after he had finished this long dialogue, in some ways, may I say pointless, although we know it wasn't pointless, but although we knew Jesus was going to win this one. Is that when when Satan had finished all of his discourses to him and all the final one, if you'll bow down and worship me, no. In the presence of Jesus, the one who sits on the throne, he didn't tolerate that. You know what he said to me about what he said to him about that? Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. James teaches us this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Hear me this morning, church. Please hear me this morning. Resist the devil. And he will walk away. No, that's not what it says. He'll go and sit in a chair and watch close by. That's not what it says. No. The Bible says that if you resist, he will flee. He takes off. Why? Because he doesn't stand a chance against the word of God. He already knows that when the word of God goes forward, he's lost. His battle is done. And so if you really want to conquer temptation, you know, resist him. Away from me, Satan. Flee. All of us here this morning, can I tell you today, you are more than overcomers. You are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. It's not in and of ourselves. Listen, no battle have we won on our own part, not one. But the battles that Jesus has won on our behalf, oh, they are numerous upon numerous. And we can say, thank you, Jesus. You can fight this for me. And you, what you're doing when you begin to use the word of God is that you're calling into account, Jesus, this temptation is more than what I can handle. But your word is said, you can handle it for me. So take it from me in Jesus' name. And may I encourage you today, don't be afraid to use the word that even Jesus said. Away from me, Satan. Away from me. When that battle begins to rage and you think, oh God, what am I getting myself in? Away from me, Satan. You can't have me. I'm a child of God redeemed by the Most High. The blood of Jesus is over me. And can I tell you today, there's victory for you in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me this morning?
every eye closed today. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you this morning? The Bible teaches us that Jesus, he was tempted and tested in all points like we as humans are. And he knows exactly what we go through when we face temptation. He's not looking at you and putting condemnation on you and saying, oh, you shouldn't, no, oh, no, no. That's not how Jesus is doing. He knows, he understands what Jesus is doing is he's rooting for you. He's beginning to just applaud and say, come on, brother, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would keep you and protect you from the evil one. His love covers, the Bible says, a multitude of sins. Isn't that wonderful this morning? Oh, we might fall into temptation, but yet his love still covers us. And can I encourage you today? Submit yourselves to God. All of us here this morning, the first step comes submitting ourselves to the Lord. Saying, yes, Lord, my life is yours. I'm sorry if I, if I was doubting what you said. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry if I tried to be my own God and I tried to control my lives and I wasn't submitting. No, Lord, forgive me. It all starts with submission. Are we willing to submit? Because then what comes next can work. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're not going to submit, it's not going to work because you're not under the Lordship of Jesus. You can't just resist him on your own. You need the Lordship of Jesus over your life. That's why we all have to come and say, believe in our heart and confess Jesus is Lord. It starts with that submission, then resist. And guess what? He will flee from you. This morning, that's all of us here today. And you need prayer today. You're in a fight this morning. You need God's grace, God's help. All of us here, all starting with me today, I need God's grace today. All of us, if that's you this morning, would you just come and let's pray together today. Let's pray one for another. We're going to pray one for another. God, protect my brother, protect my sister from the evil one. Lord, don't let them fall into temptation. God, deliver them. God, deliver them. You just come this morning, all of us here today. You need prayer today. You need God's grace. You're battling something. You need God's grace. Just come this morning. Just come. Just come today. As we're coming, may we all just make it our prayer. Jesus, I submit to you. I give my life to you afresh today, Lord. Lord, I might have given my life to you some years ago, but this morning I want to make it right again. God, I want to submit my life to you. I don't want to be my own God. I want to be like you. I want to be an image bearer of you so that you can help me conquer this thing. Jesus, show me the way, Lord. I submit. You're my Lord. You know what's best for my life. Lord, I admit today and I acknowledge your thoughts are higher, Lord. Your ways are higher. And God, I can just trust you today, Lord. I submit to you, Jesus. I submit. I submit. Lord, my life is yours, Jesus. My life is yours, Jesus. Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord. I believe in my heart. I believe today, Jesus, you were risen from the dead. I believe it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus. We submit today, Jesus. And 
now can we begin to pray God's grace. Lord, I need your grace today. I need your help, Lord. I need your help conquering this thing. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need it. The, the help that comes from knowing you and knowing the word of God. Lord, help me today, Jesus. Help me this morning, Lord. God, may you help me to set aside time in my life to read and study the Word of God that it might get embedded deep within me, Lord Jesus. Lord, may the Word come and may it take root in my heart, Jesus. May I receive in like a seed and it grow on good soil. God, let the Word of God come today, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We need you this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Jesus. Oh, Lord, fill me with your word today, Lord. Let me join a life of prayer that I might know you, Jesus. Lord, I want to know you today, God. Lord, I don't want to know about you from a distance. I personally want to know you, Jesus, day by day, abiding in you, walking with you. Lord, help me to know you today, Jesus. Help me to know you today, Jesus. I need you, Lord, I need you. Come on, just tell them this morning how much you need them. Oh, how a father's ear turns attentive to the cry of his child that says, I need you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. God, strengthen me today. Grace, Lord, give me the grace that I need today, Jesus. Oh, Lord, maybe you need to ask the Lord, Father, confess your sins. The Bible teaches us He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. So Lord, we make it known to you, oh God, we have sinned. We have messed up. I need your forgiveness today, Lord. I'm sorry, Father. Please forgive me today, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we submit to you. We submit to you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, today. We thank you. Lord, you're the Lord of my life. You're the king of my life, Jesus. No sin is the king of my life. You're the king of my life, Jesus. I praise you. The evil one is not the king of my life. You're the king of my life, Jesus. I praise you today, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. I worship you today. I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. to just pray for the brother or sister near you. Pray God protect them. Pray God watch over them and keep them. Strengthen them. Oh Lord, when they get in the fight, Lord, help them. Protect them from the evil one. Protect their ear, Lord, that they might not be allured and deceived. Oh Jesus, help us all, God. Give us grace and strength. God, may you help us one with another, Lord, to pray, to lift and intercede for each other, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Lord, today we bless you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Oh, God, help us today, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Help my brother, help my sister. Oh, God, help us today, Lord. Let us not grow weary in well doing, Lord.
but may we persevere, Jesus. God, give us fresh perseverance today, Lord. Fresh faith to believe you. Lord, remove all doubt today, Jesus. Remove all doubt about what your word has said, Lord. God, take away our doubt today. And God, give us faith this morning. Fresh faith today, Jesus. We need you today, fresh faith.